Well, today uh, we are talking about subject that is near and dear to every believer's heart, and that's our the blessed hope. In the blessed hope, uh, this is a, uh, a group of end time events that are going to happen that we look forward to, every believer looks forward to, and uh, we are yearning and looking forward to the return of Jesus uh, for his church and eventually coming again, setting up his millennial kingdom on the earth and, and, and then the new heavens and the new earth, all of that. We kind of group under the title, The Blessed Hope. And uh, we wanted to read out of uh, Titus chapter 2 today, verses 11 through 12. So if you have your Bible, I want you to open that up. So many uh, just wonderful things uh, in this whole group of doctrines and scriptures. You know, uh, we used to sing our doctrine a little more often. When we sing out of the out of the hymn book, we'd sing songs about the things that we, we believed in, not just worship or praise sort of themes, but doctrinal themes as well. We used to sing a song, I don't know how many old timers uh, we have that would remember the, the hymn that says, there's a blessed time that's coming, coming soon. It may be evening, morning, or at noon. The wedding of the bride united with the groom, we shall see the king when he comes, amen? And uh, some of you, I think, are nodding your heads and mouthing the words uh, to that great hymn. We used to, that's theology, that's our hymn, that's our doctrine. Uh, and we used to sing it more often. Uh, the contemporary praise worship is kind of more topically worship and, and praise instead of doctrine. But that was the sort of thing that uh, familiarized ourselves with these end time uh, doctrines. And so out of Titus chapter 2, if you have your Bible open there, I know Titus is kind of hard to find. It's tucked in there just before Hebrews. And uh, it reads, starting verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Speaking of, of Jesus here, Jesus has appeared to all men. Uh, he has brought salvation to us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works." Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. So Paul is writing to Titus here, his son in the faith, one of his sons in the faith, and encouraging him to, again, preach and declare what the blessed hope is. Now, of all doctrines, you know, this is among the a set of doctrines that is probably coming under increasing uh, attack uh, in this day and age. You know, there's several Christian beliefs that are coming under attack. One uh, primary one is uh, the fact that we believe Jesus is the only way to salvation. And Jesus himself declared that. He said, you know, no man comes under the Father except through me. And so very exclusive. You know, people in general are okay with Jesus being a way to salvation, but they're not as comfortable with him being the way of salvation. And uh, that's very, very exclusive. And, and uh, you know, they want a lot of options. They want a lot of alternate routes around Jesus if, if they want. Uh, but Jesus himself declared that he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
and no one comes to the Father except through him. So it's an important thing. This is another set of doctrines here that, that is coming under increasing attack, the fact that Jesus is coming for his church. The rapture of the church is the next uh, prophetic event on the calendar, which could happen at any moment. And uh, if God was as merciful uh, as he should be, uh, he would come and rapture his church out before I have to finish this sermon, right? <laughs> have to sit through all of that, right? But uh, yeah, he's coming for his church again. And uh, all who have this hope in them look for that event to come. And, and uh, nothing is prohibiting him from coming at any, any time and, and any moment. But uh, when Jesus ascended to heaven from the top of the Mount of Olives, and many in this room have been there in that location on top of the Mount of Olives. It's a beautiful view. And uh, you can see across the Kidron Valley and look over to the Temple Mount and, and Jerusalem uh, out there. And it is, it is in that place, in that location, that Jesus left this earth uh, surrounded by his disciples. If, if you read there in, in the first chapter of the book of Acts, Acts 1, and uh, they gather there on top of the Mount of Olives. Jesus is giving the last instructions there, and he makes a promise. And the promise is, is that you shall be endued with power from on high. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And not many days following that, just 10 days following that, uh, the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. When the day of Pentecost fully come, uh, the Holy Spirit came and baptized the 120 disciples gathered in that upper room. So the promise was given, the promise was fulfilled. Now the scripture calls that the down payment. The promise of the Holy Spirit is the down payment on the next promise that is to come. And as they were standing there on the top of the Mount of Olives, watching Jesus ascend into heaven and, and obscured by the clouds, when they, when they quit looking up, they looked down, and there was an angel. And the angel says, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus uh, that you have seen go away will come again. Amen. And the down payment, if you will, the earnest of our expectation is the King James way of saying it. The earnest, you know, when you buy a house, uh, how do you kind of seal the deals? Like you agree on a price, and what do you do? You put down earnest money saying, you know, it's enough money that, that uh, it matters to you or should, and, uh, and say, yeah, I want, I want this house at this price, and these are the, the agreements. Here's the earnest money. Well, the giving of the Holy Spirit was the earnest of our expectation, which is for Jesus to come again. And so we have the, the earnest money. We have, if you will, we have we have what Jesus gave us to secure the promise that he was coming again. And here the angel announces that promise there on the top of the Mount of Olives. And the same Jesus, which you've seen go away into heaven, will come again. And that's our blessed hope. That is what we hope for as Christians. You know, it's not to just live this life with a kind of a using Jesus as kind of an aspirin to help us through the aches and pains of life. Jesus has far better plans than that for us, is that he wants to take us home. <laughs> this world is not our home. This is uh, the place, you know, that we've known all of our lives, but Jesus has something better for us. 
and uh, we look for his return. So since before the church was born, we've had the promise that Jesus would return. And now we have the down payment, we have the earnest of our expectation, and Jesus is coming again. Now, if it was wonderful, now, wouldn't, uh, you know, if we had the opportunity to go back in time when Jesus was walking the earth, when Jesus was in the, in the uh, land of Israel and he was here on earth, wouldn't that be a, a wonderful time to go back in time and visit? Hmm? Wouldn't that be wonderful? You know what's going to be even more wonderful than that is when he comes again. And that is our hope. That is uh, what the Bible declares in here in Titus declares is the blessed hope and uh, death will be done away with when jesus comes for his church uh, we will not fear death anymore and uh, we will be with the lord forever in a place that is so good we can't even imagine how good it's going to be the bible gives us some clues it kind of opens our understanding a little bit but there is so much more to discover and experience once we see Jesus. Now, uh, we've been using this title, The Blessed Hope, and, and uh, in our culture, I think we equate the word hope oftentimes with wish. You know, I wish something good would happen, or I wish this would happen. Um, you know, it's just kind of this sort of, oh, it's what I'd really like to see. Um, but hope is a little more aggressive than just wishing something would happen. Hope is, as the Bible uses it, defines it as earnest expectation, okay, and confident expectation, is that we don't just kind of wish it's going to happen, we expect it to happen, okay? Hasn't happened yet, but don't you fear, it's going to happen. That's a confident expectation, which is our hope in Christ Jesus. That's why that is why we uh, look for his return. It's because we have the confident expectation that he is coming again. So um, let's talk about this. Why do we have this hope in ourselves? Why uh, do we long for his appearing? Well, our hope is built upon the scripture. Now, um, it is important. In fact, it is imperative. It's not just important. It's imperative. It's necessary that everything that we believe and say and do is based in the scriptures. Okay? If we don't base everything in the scripture, we immediately go off the rails and into, into confusion and things that just absolutely don't work. And so being uh, based in the scripture with our understanding and, and our ability to you know, read and, and expect the things that scripture uh, teaches us keeps us on track. So let's look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 and 18. And there's so much scripture about the Lord's return uh, from beginning and end to the end of scripture that uh, we can't include all of them. But here's one that, you know, is, is especially good. First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting verse 13. It says, but I do not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep. And that's uh, nice language about for those who have already died. And the, and the thought in the Thessalonian church at the time was that if you died before Christ returned, is that you missed out. I mean, if you're dead, how in the world can you, can you uh, go to heaven? You have to be alive when Jesus returns for his church. But here, Paul is, is correcting this. I don't want you to be ignorant about this, okay, about those who have already died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So all of our uh, loved ones who have died in the faith, those who are Christians, those who are believers, uh, will rise again at the coming of the Lord for his church. And we will be reunited in the air, and we will be with Jesus forever. Can you imagine uh, the joy that moment's going to bring? You know, the, the word rapture, of course, is not found in the Bible. It's not a scripture word. But uh, if you look up the word rapture, what will you find? What's the definition there? You'll, you'll find something along the lines of inexpressible joy. Uh, to be raptured is, is not uh, necessarily, you know, to, to rise and meet in the air, but, but to experience uh, intense, inexpressible joy. How many are in the mood for some rapture today, huh? <laughs> I'm in the mood for some inexpressible joy. And that's what that moment will be like. Okay, let's go on to... Uh, uh, verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Now I've got it on good word that that trumpet is going to be Dave Bruder, okay, over here. Uh, in our worship team, and uh, he's going to play the trumpet when the Lord comes. All right, that's just inside information. That's why you don't see that in the Bible. All right. Um, so the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So that's what we're doing today. We're comforting one another with these words. This is our hope. This is our confident expectation. This is something we just wish for. This is something that will happen. Hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. One of the incredible things about this whole idea of Jesus returning again is that this is a, uh, a promise, this is a prophecy of Scripture that dates to the earliest days of Scripture, okay? Just, I'm going to ask you a little kind of trivia question here. Um, what is the oldest written book of the Bible? The book of the Bible that existed before any other books of the Bible. I'll give you a hint, it's not Genesis, okay? Now Genesis, I know, records the creation and all of that, but it was written after this book. What is the oldest book of the Bible? Job. Somebody knows. All right, good. The book of Job is the oldest written book of the Bible. And look what Job uh, is recorded in saying in Job chapter 19, verses 25 and 27. This is what he spoke, oldest book of the Bible. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth, and after my skin is destroyed, in other words, after I'm dead, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Isn't that an incredible passage of Scripture? The Job before, it's not like he consulted the Bible because the Bible hadn't been written yet. 
and here he is by revelation prophesying that Jesus is going to return, that my Redeemer lives, and after I'm dead and gone, I know that I'm going to see him in my flesh. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. In my flesh, and it's going to be my eyes that see him. Nobody's going to tell me about it because it will be my eyes, not another. And what uh, really I resonate with is his ending statement, is how my heart yearns within me. I don't know about you, my heart yearns within me for the return of the Lord. <laughs> There's a lot of good things about, about this life and uh, so many wonderful things to experience and enjoy, but I tell you, it doesn't hold a candle to what Jesus has prepared for us. We yearn for that. When uh, Job prophesies here, and he shall stand at last on the earth, the prophet Zechariah in chapter 14, verse 4, uh, there prophesies that Jesus will return to the Mount of Olives, and his feet will touch the top of the Mount of Olives. Now, where did Jesus ascend into heaven? Where did he leave this earth? The Mount of Olives. There he ascended into heaven. And, and Zechariah says that he is going to return to the Mount of Olives. And so as he left in like manner, the angel said, he will return and come back to the earth. So every time, you know, we celebrate the Lord's table and we quote uh, from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, it, it says that every time we do this in remembrance of me, we will do so until he comes again. And I, I tell you, from, from beginning to end of Scripture, uh, the coming of the Lord is prophesied, it's recorded for us to give us the blessed hope that at times we, we need in this life. So our, our hope is based in Scripture. It's not just a fairy tale, it's not just a legend, it's just not anything somebody made up. But here it has been recorded over thousands of years of so the Scripture says, holy men of God uh, wrote as, as the Lord spoke to them and, uh, and they have recorded these words for us. And over thousands of years, the scriptures harmonize. And this is the great hope that they all point to. All scripture is pointing to this and uh, guiding us uh, in that blessed hope. So it's, it's rooted in scripture. Number two uh, about our blessed hope, our hope is to see him. And as Job has expressed that hope and that desire, there's, there's some aspects to this that we've read already. First Thessalonians 4.16, it says that when we see him, when we see Jesus, when he comes for his church, our loved ones will rise from their graves. And there will be a, a great joyous meeting. Uh, again, if you're a hymn book fan, which I am, uh, we used to sing that uh, the chorus, oh, there's going to be a meeting in the air, in the sweet, sweet by, and nobody's joining in. Okay, all right. I'll just amuse myself. Uh, but again, that's, that's our theology. That's our doctrine that we often put to hymnody. So that is uh, based on those scriptures, is that there's going to be a great meeting in the air. And uh, we're going to see saints from all time and, and uh, loved ones that have preceded us in death and, and will be resurrected again. When we see him, we will see those who have been resurrected uh, in Christ. That's why we don't have the sorrow others may have when someone dies that we love and we will miss, is that we know this, is that we will see them again. That's the promise of Scripture. 
That happened thousands of years ago. That, that promise was given. That prophecy was spoken. And uh, we have lived in earnest expectation ever since. And we have confident expectation that that is going to happen. So our, our parting is not forever. So when we see him, what does the scripture tell us as well? Is that we shall be changed. This goes back to our bodies. Now, I don't know about you. My body has served me pretty well. But um, it's not as good as it once was. Isn't that a country song, right? <laughs> not as good as I once was. Well, that's the truth. That's the truth. And as we age and as we decline, you know, our, our bodies begin to show up more frailties and and uh, vulnerabilities but when we see him we'll be changed in a moment the bible describes it as the twinkling of an eye these bodies will be changed just uh if you're taking notes just write down first corinthians 15 because it's fantastic it's a long chapter it's over 56 verses i believe and um and it talks about that is that we shall be changed in this this mortality will put on immortality, and this flesh will be glorified, and, and we shall be changed. Uh, and and we'll, we'll take a look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 and 52 here. Uh, Paul says, Behold, I, I tell you a mystery, a mystery that's no longer a mystery now. We shall not all sleep, okay? Not all of us are going to die at the coming of the Lord, but, but we shall all be changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. New bodies. How many are up for a new body? I'm up for a new body. <laughs> I went dip netting on Friday, and I'm still paying for it. <laughs> feel like the tin man in the rain. You know what I'm talking about? Just kind of, things are squeaky. But the, the, the scriptures go on to say that our bodies shall change. We'll be incorruptible. We will be glorified. We will be immortal. That is the blessed hope. I should say it's part of the blessed hope. There's so much more for us to enjoy. So our, our hope is rooted in scripture. Our hope is to see him. And, and the third thought that I have today is our hope is to be ready to meet him. His coming is to be expected, but unannounced. Have you ever sat and waited for something you expected, and it seemed like it never happened? That's kind of where we're at right now. Paul is telling the Thessalonian believers, hey, you know, uh, don't worry about those who died, because we who are alive and remain, which means that they were expecting the Lord to return too, while they were still alive, uh, have passed from the scene as well. You know, I remember, you know, growing up in church, my, my grandfather was Assembly of God minister, and uh, he preached, you know, the return of the Lord and imminently looked for him. He's gone now. My father, who was my pastor, uh, again, preached the return of the Lord and, and the rapture of the church, and, and uh, he's gone now. And I'm going to preach to you the rapture of the church, <laughs> the return of the Lord, and I pray that he comes before I go but he may not. And to be prepared to meet the Lord means being willing to wait with earnest expectation. You know, the, the saying goes, you know, watched pot never what? Boils, right? Isn't that the way it seems? You're like you, you sit there waiting, 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 and then, you know, it never happens, it seems. You walk away, and then all of a sudden it happens. 
And uh, it's important for us as Christians and believers to uh, encourage ourselves often as we are doing today in worship in the house of the Lord together with scripture that uh, we renew this hope. Proverbs, I think it's in the 13th chapter, has this verse that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And sometimes when we hope and we hope and we hope, that hope sometimes causes us to despair, causes us to somehow think maybe it's not going to happen. And especially in this day and age, which I've already mentioned, you know, beliefs and doctrines such as the blessed hope are coming under increasing attack. It's easy to lose heart. It's easy to give up and think, you know, this is not going to happen. I'm waiting in vain. But the scriptures again inform us and tell us exactly the way it's going to be. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So it's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it will happen. And uh, that's repeated. If you're taking notes, 2 Peter 3.10, again, repeats that phrase, that his coming will be as a thief in the night. And so we must stay ready. We must stay prepared because, you know, we can waver from our our watching. Um, Galatians uh, 6.9 tells us, do not be weary in well-doing or we shall reap if we do not faint. And sometimes waiting for the Lord, we get a little weary in doing well. We get a little weary. We think, man, what am I sacrificing all of this for? What am I, you know, uh, you know, experiencing all these hardships in life, and here I am waiting for the Lord. It feels like in vain. You know, I'm hurting now, you know, waiting for Jesus to come later just doesn't seem very exciting. You know, in my response to that, which is often to myself, sometimes I think, Lord, are you ever going to come? Are you ever going to be here? And, uh, and the answer to that is like, well, you got anything better? You got anything better than that? <laughs> what are you, you going to wait for? What are you going to hope for if not the return of the Lord? There is nothing better. It's the return of the Lord or it's nothing. And so here we are, you know, at times day in which we live, you know, it just seems like change is so rapid and uh, we're being affected by much of this change and, and it's making us uncomfortable at times and fearful at other times and, and we don't know what to make of it. We want Jesus to come now and rescue us and yet still he, as the Bible says, tarries uh, in his coming and sometimes you listen to scoffers and uh, sometimes discouragement can set in. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, says this, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. And I think they are, they're here, okay? <laughs> we are in the last days. So scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Sometimes we hear that. We get a little discouraged. We want our, our hope and expectation to come now, and yet it carries. You continue to read there in, in uh, Second Peter, he goes on to say, you know, for the Lord is not slack concerning his promises but is patient, is long-suffering for those who have yet to be saved. 
How many glad you're saved today? You know what? It's up to us to allow those who have not been saved to have that opportunity. You know, um, if you really want the Lord to come, I would encourage you, support missions, okay? <laughs> support missions. Because when the last person to be saved is saved, the Lord will come. That's what, that's what Jesus said. He said, and all, this gospel shall be preached in all the earth as a witness, and then the end shall come. So let's get on this, okay? <laughs> let's get on this. Let's, let's, uh, let's uh, preach the word so that everyone has that opportunity, and then the end will come. Then Jesus will come for us. So our hope is to be ready when he comes, and to those who will be ready will be with the Lord forever. And we've already read this First Thessalonians 4.17, but it says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And uh, that's just a glimpse, just a piece, just an installment of the blessed hope. And I want to encourage you today. I'm going to ask our worship team to come prepare to close this with a final song today. But if you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to invite you to invite Jesus into your own heart and have that hope of his coming in you. And uh, if you've never invited Jesus into your life and heart, we, uh, we kind of help us to understand the, uh, the journey to that. We kind of break it down into three parts. And, and the first part is to admit, admit that we are sinners. I know that's a hard admission. Um, I think if we took a survey today, I think most of us would say, you know what, our, you know, in the survey, one question, are you a good person? And you would say, of course, of course I'm a good person. And, uh, and we're glad for that. But um, if we ask another question, have you ever sinned? And to be honest, we'd probably have to say, well, yes, but it was just a little one, all right? Just little. The problem with that is, is that it disqualifies us from being a good person and getting into heaven. The standard for getting into heaven is perfection. Nothing but perfection. That means even a little sin, I told a white lie one time, disqualifies us from heaven. We can't get into heaven by being good enough because we're not good. We're not perfect. God doesn't grade on the curve. It's pass or fail, right? And how do we pass? How do we get into heaven? Well, it starts with admitting that we're sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means all of us have sinned. All of us have missed the mark. That's a problem. Because Romans 6.23 goes on to say, The wages, the result of sin is death. But there's good news wrapped into that verse. It says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the only way. And that gift of God is eternal life. And if you want to receive that gift today, you need to believe. The Bible goes on to say, Romans 10, 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. So there's two steps wrapped up in that single verse. One is to believe. Do you believe Jesus died for your sin? Do you believe that he's willing and able to forgive you of your sin? That means if you fall into the first category of being a sinner, which we do, 
is that he can forgive you. And his perfection covers our imperfection. And then there's the final step there, confession. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. And if you want to invite Jesus into your heart today, right now, you can. We're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray. And you say, Jesus, I may not understand all of this, but I do want you to be my Savior and Lord. I want to have that blessed hope of eternal life when you come again. So Jesus, as we bow our heads today and pray, Lord, we admit we have sinned, we've done wrong. And we understand that disqualifies us from being good enough to enter heaven. But today, Lord, we believe that you are willing and able to forgive us our sin. And we, we believe that, Lord. Would you forgive us all our sin? And Lord, would you become the Lord of our lives? Lord, no longer am I in charge of my life, but you are in charge of my life. Give me direction and purpose. Give me wisdom in the choices that I make so that I can be ready when you come again. And Lord, we pray that you would come quickly. Lord, that you would come and rescue us today. Lord, we receive you as our Savior and Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen.